Praise God, praise God. All of God's children are just so precious to the Lord. And I want you to know that's how he feels about us. And it's wonderful to be a part of God's family, isn't it? Hallelujah. So now we're going to go to the Word of God. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter 15. And we've been preaching and teaching from unusual passages in the last few weeks, and I found another one. So here we go. I hope that the Lord will touch our hearts tonight and help us, and we'll be following after the leading of the Lord. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15 and verse 11, and David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priest and for the Levites and for Uriel and Isaiah and Joel and Shemaiah and Eliel and Aminadab. Now, does anybody want to read that verse for me? I'll let you have a chance. And said unto them, <clears throat> Yeah, Brother Aaron, I think you'd do a good job uh, reading Amen. verse 11. Amen. I'll give you a pass. Verse 12, And said unto them, You are the chief of the fathers of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both ye and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. For because you did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us, for that we sought him after the due order. Praise God. Can we pray together again one more time? Jesus I give you praise and glory and honor. You are the gracious and wonderful God. And Lord, we we bless your name. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for your wonderful presence that's in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus now, Lord God, help us to receive your word and speak to us, O God. I pray from the secret place of the thunder. Talk to us tonight, O God, and I give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. So after the due order, the Ark of the Covenant, also called the Ark of the Lord God of Israel in our Bible text tonight, most of you know it was very holy. In the Ark of the Covenant that the Israelites had, there were two tables of stone upon which were written the Ten Commandments, a golden pot of manna, and Aaron's rod that budded. Inside that Ark was the powerful Word of God. It was awesome. Inside the ark was a golden pot of manna, the the miraculous food that God furnished his people during their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Inside that ark was Aaron's rod that budded. You see, Korah, Dathan, Abram, rebelled against the delegated leadership of Moses 
and I'm not going to turn there, but it's found in number 16. Therefore, at the command of the Lord Jehovah, Moses directed that 12 rods, one for each tribe with the prince's name inscribed upon the rod, be placed within the tabernacle, within the tent of testimony. So when, when Moses went the next day into the tent, he found that Aaron's rod had budded, blossomed, and borne fruit, all simultaneous. Budded, blossomed, and bore fruit. When this miraculous sign was given, the people accepted it as God's answer concerning whether or not they should submit to the authority of God, specifically the delegated authority that God had placed over them. And God considered it so important that he commanded that the rod of Aaron be kept inside the Ark of the Covenant as a constant reminder of the necessity of not only being submitted to the divine will of God, but staying submitted to the divine will of God. It's great to start, but it's important that we finish. And so God said, put that in the ark and keep that as a testimony to all the people who will take note. Now King Saul took the ark of God with him into battle against the Philistines. And the thought was, if you had the ark of God, you, you had to win because you had the ark. But he was backslidden. And King Saul was out of the will of God. And having the ark with him did him no good. He lost both the ark and his life and his sons. Just because God saved you somewhere in your past does not mean that you can get away with murder today. Oh, it was the ark of God. It had the stuff in it that I just told you. It was hallowed and holy. But having it with him did no good. I want to remind you of just a couple of verses that Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Oh, it's good to start, but you got to continue. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I'm glad that we started out to live for God, and, and I commend everyone here on a, on a very cold winter night that you came to church on Wednesday night. And I'm glad that God got a hold of us and that many of you were born of water and of the Spirit, and many of you have spoken in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, and, and many of you have been baptized in the name of Jesus, which everybody should be according to the Bible. Be baptized every one of you. I'm thankful for that, but I'm also encouraging you to remember that Romans eleven twenty two 22 says, Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, 
but toward thee goodness. Now watch, very important. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. So it goes down the drain, the doctrine of once saved, always saved, no matter what. That just goes down the drain because the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. And then I think one of the most powerful scriptures that tell me that when you live for God, it's important that you continue living for God and not just be satisfied of an experience that you had 10, 15, 20 years ago or even a year ago, that we must continue and keep it current. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, for if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Now notice before we go to the next verse, it says after they have escaped. These are people who have been saved. They have after they have escaped. And notice again the words, quote, they are again entangled therein. So these are people who have been saved, but they're entangled again and overcome. And the Bible says the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Wouldn't that be what the devil would like? Now that's not going to happen to us, is it? We're going to stay with God. We're going to continue with God. Hallelujah. We're going to walk with God. But know that it's important that we continue that we endure to the end that we continue in his word and and that we once we start out living for god it's important that we not be entangled again verse 21 for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment deliver unto them now let me just say this right now I know how the devil likes to twist words. So what it's not saying is, if you've made a mistake, it'd been better if you'd never started. That is not what it's saying. It is not saying if you fell down and, and blooded your knee, that you would have been better off if you had never started out living for God. That is not what this scripture is saying. It's talking about people who turn away from God and are determinedly walking away from God, not sorry that they've made a mistake, not sorry that they fell, but just continuing on in the sin. It had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And then the Bible gets very graphic. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog has turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And so I, I note these things because as we're looking at the ark, we see that Saul, who had been anointed by God, but walked away from God and continued walking away from God, this would apply to 
him because it had been better for him never to have known the way of righteousness than to know it and to turn from it as he did. Are you still with me tonight? So, when David became king after Saul had died, he had a great desire to bring the ark back. Remember, the ark was the very symbol of God. It's where the Bible says that the presence of God sat upon the mercy seat that was on top of the ark and the cherubims with their wings touching and their faces looking down at the mercy seat. And it was a, 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 a very visible symbol of the power of God. It was that ark that they carried when they went around the walls of Jericho and the walls of Jericho came crashing down. It was that ark that had the Ten Commandments nestled inside and the golden pot of manna representative of God's provisionary power, which, by the way, God is doing very well for you. Thank God for it. I'm going to just take a little parenthesis and tell you that God showed me a while back that what God did for the water saved of the Old Testament, he is going to do for the water saved of the New Testament. Since I stood and preached that, one of my friends just received $3.4 million. Not to buy himself a yacht, by the way. They're building a house for the name of the Lord. And you know I'm a brother Cornwell. God just gave them $3.4 million to build a new family life center. And I, I believe that God showed me that he's ready to do for the New Testament water saved what he did for the Old Testament water saved. And I just think right now, instead of fearfulness, instead of anxiety, instead of worried about what am I going to do, how's this all going to work out, why don't just lift our hands right now, a little parentheses in this message, and begin to thank God for the blessings that he's going to give to the water saved of the New Testament. Come on, give a loud shout of praise to God. Hallelujah. Lord, we claim the blessings of the Lord. We claim it in the name of Jesus. David went up in all Israel to, to a place called Kirjath Jerem to bring up the ark of the Lord that dwelleth between the cherubims, whose name is called on it. And so he was so excited. He says, Wow, you know, we've got good plans, we've got good intentions. We love the Lord. David loved the Lord with all of his heart. We're going to bring the ark home. It's been in the hands of the Philistines. It had now been transferred to a little border town inside of Judah. And David said, we're going to get the ark and we're going to bring it home. And everybody said, amen. And they were so excited. And they made a new cart. And they put the ark of God upon a new cart. And a young man by the name of Uzzah and another young man by the name of Ahio drove the cart. 
and David and all the people got out and they started dancing before the ark and they were all excited and, and they had great enthusiasm. They had talented musicians and singers and everything was going great and they came to a threshing floor. The oxen stumbled. And Uzzah, he's a good boy. That's the Ark of the Covenant. Don't want that hitting the ground. So he reaches up and he puts his hand upon the Ark and God struck him dead. And there was a few cornets that clattered to the floor. People's faces blanched and turned white and they backed up and there was a stillness that came over everybody. And David was greatly upset. And the people were greatly upset. And they left the ark. They were so surprised and astonished that the anger of the Lord had blazed out against Uzzah and killed him because he had touched the ark. He was only trying to keep it from sliding off the cart. It was three months later that that David once again began to feel like, I got to get the Ark of the Covenant back home. But it's going to be different this time, I promise. He said, This time I'm going to call for the priests. And I'm going to call for the Levites. And he called them and, and he said, Sanctify yourselves. both you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. Sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. Be holy. We're going to go after the ark one more time. I notice even in the Lord's Prayer tonight, you were singing part of the Lord's Prayer, whether you realize it or not, hallowed be thy name. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means consecrated. Holy is your name. Listen to me. I believe that in our culture of chaos, in a culture of disrespect and disregard, it's trying, that spirit's trying to creep into the church, making people think that, oh, Jesus, I love you. Hey, 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 I'm glad I'm serving the Lord, but not allowing God to help us to change our lifestyle. Hallowed be thy name. You're going to carry the ark. You best go ahead and sanctify yourselves. Both you and your brethren, he said, that, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. I'm, I'm going to quote a New Testament passage that goes along with this. It's, it's written in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, where it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
You see, I'm going to tell you what's going on. There are... There is a whole generation that does not understand something that the Bible says is very important. It's called the fear of the Lord. They'll use the Lord's name in vain. They'll even string some very foul, vulgar words in the same sentence, saying Jesus, blank, and Christ, and, and all kinds of stuff. Like, and they don't know that what they're doing is they're putting themselves in the way of judgment. That's a holy name, my friend. Don't you ever use it disrespectfully if you love life. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In other words, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. It's, it's a great thing to, to, to be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, living for God. But it's very important that we continue to let the Holy Ghost change us, that we, we actually respect this God that we serve. We, we revere Him and, and we show that, or the lack thereof, by our lifestyle. the name of God be not blasphemed. Whew. And I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And by the way, there's a reason it's called the Holy Ghost. That everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Praise God. You see, the Lord really knows who are His and so in our age of disrespect, in an age in which people no longer respect anything that God said, we have to be careful that we do not become calloused continuing in things that the Word of God and the, and the Holy Ghost tells you in your heart is wrong. You continue on doing something that the Holy Ghost is telling you is wrong, you're putting yourself in a dire place, just so you know. In this great Wednesday night, here we are. We came out in the cold. Here's Pastor just lowering the boom. Hallelujah doesn't mean if we make a mistake that God's waiting with this big mallet and he's going to hit you around top of the head. That is not what God's all about. It means, though, that when you come to God, God is expecting you to make an effort to change. That you don't just say, oh, well, God knows. It's just the way it is. God says, are you kidding me? I'm a holy God. Do your best Ask God to help you make some changes. I said this the other day. If you used to use foul language every time you got mad and you're in the church 20 years later and you're still doing it, you better stop that. I'll be visiting you in the hospital. Because there comes a time when God says, you know what? You're my child. I have given you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Now I'm going to 
turn you over and I'm going to give you something that's going to warm you up. And I'll tell you what, I don't want God to have to do that to any of you or to me. You say, would God really do that? Uh Uh-huh. God would rather correct me than to let me go to hell. He will not correct somebody else's child. A person in the world can do wrong, and I mean do major wrong, and it looks like they're getting by with it. They're not. But it looks like it. You know why? It looks like it because their judgment's coming after. They're going to spend eternity paying for that mistake. We get corrected by the Lord right up front. And the good thing is, though, is if we quickly say, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me. I really didn't want to do that, and I'm sorry. And you really mean it. You save yourself a lot of trouble. So, we can't be calloused and keep doing stuff that the Holy Ghost has told us at one point or another. Please don't do that. When the Holy Ghost tells you that, just say, okay, Lord. Now, I also know that this is true also. The devil will entice you to do wrong, and then he picks up a big cudgel. I better be careful. This might not work very well. And he begins to hit people over the head with condemnation. He tempts you to do wrong, and then he says, well, if you were half a Christian, you half wit. You wouldn't be doing that. Dirty, rotten bum. This guy walked in my house one day. You've heard some of my stories. And he said, oh, pastor, pastor, I, I was uh, needing a little help financially. And he's in my house. And, and I, at that point, had zero funds. And I said, man, I'm really sorry. I don't have any money. You should have seen the change in him. He jumped up, walked over to my stairs, and then he called over his shoulder, and you call yourself a Christian. He went from being very respectful to very disrespectful when he realized that I wasn't going to give him any cash. Now, sometimes I will give people cash when I feel like it's the right thing to do. A lot of times I will just give them gas in their tank or food because I'm not going to support somebody's drug habit. Are you still with me? Hmm. But when God is calling us and he's saying, I want you to change this, he gives us what the Bible calls a space to repent. And in that time, of which only God knows how long that time is, he gives you a chance to correct something. When you get to the end of that time, he says, okay, you didn't correct it, I'm going to correct it. And Bubba, that's not where you want to be. I want to correct myself if God will help me. Because the Bible says if you fall on the rock, you will be broken. But if the rock falls on you, you're going to be basically dissolved. Somebody say, praise the Lord. 
say, Pastor, this is so encouraging. <laughs> it really is. Because you know what? It's the greatest honor in the world to be called of God. I don't think we realize how honored we are that God would call us. He, he never calls anybody that he doesn't know can also make it. That would be like the meanest and the orneriest thing a person could do would be to call you and say, I know she can't make it, but I won't make her miserable. Come on and serve me. <laughs> I know you can't. He's not going to do that. When he calls us to serve the Lord, he knows that he's given us the strength, the courage, the help, the wisdom, the knowledge, whatever it is that we need, the giftings. Doesn't mean you're never going to fail. It means you're going to get up and try even harder. When you do fail, And so we don't just keep ignoring that still small voice of the Lord and the word of the scripture. You know, it's an amazing thing when there's something we want to do, how we can justify it. Well, I think I was, that was just me. I don't think that was really God. Uh -huh. I don't think God really was asking me to do blah, blah, blah. I think, I think that was just me. You know, I, I was just... A new convert and really excited and... No. No, that's not the case at all. The real case is you began and God began a good work in you. Now it's important that you allow him to complete that work. Somebody say praise God. So in 1 Chronicles 15, 1 Chronicles 15, 12, he says to them, sanctify yourselves both ye and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel unto the place that I have prepared for it. It's the greatest honor in the world. So sanctify yourselves. Don't complain about what you can't do. I can do anything I want. And I want to serve God. Amen. I want God smiling at me. I want him to say, that's my boy right there. See that boy right there? Hey, Satan, see him? He's trying to live for me. I do ask God that he would keep the hedge up, though. Please, God. It's the greatest honor in the world to be given the privilege of living for God. Therefore, sanctify yourselves. That doesn't mean you're trying to be holy by your own strength. It means you're making an effort to live the way God wants you to live. That's all. Just make a great effort to live the way God wants you to live. So sanctify yourselves. And then he says in verse 13, now this is three months after the failed ox cart expedition. The ark has gone back to somebody's home and three months later he's saying I think I know why that didn't work I mean we were all singing and playing and drums and everything we, we, had the, we had all the music going and, and I was out there dancing and I was giving God praise I think I know why it didn't work so verse 13 he says for because you did it not at the first the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. 
We, we missed the order of this somehow. We wanted to serve God, but we didn't serve him after the due order. There was a, a method he wanted us to use. There was a, a way he wanted us to go about it. And he called it the, the due order. David, and David said that Uzzah died and, and we were not able to bring the ark home because we did not seek God. Notice, after the due order. Well, Ferris, you've done some working on cars. Anybody else here ever work on cars? Brother Dave? Anybody else? Oh, yeah. I only have when I had to. And it probably wasn't going to be very good when I got done. I can sit and play the piano while you work on the car. I'll play some music. But my gift is not being a mechanic. And, but I found out something years ago. My, my mother used to have a 1949 Pontiac. Now, I don't know if you ever remember what a 1948 Pontiac looked like, but that's when, hard, when heavy metal was a car. You got your finger shut in that door, you're going to the hospital. Because your fingers would be flat. None of this rinky-dink stuff. Heavy metal. And so mom decides to take me and Larry to Arizona in a 1949 Pontiac. And it was pretty old back at that time. I mean, that was quite a few years before I was born, 1949, just so you know. And Mama drove that car across the Rocky Mountains into Arizona. And when we got back, my dad said, oh, my goodness. I don't know how you guys made that trip. He said, when I was changing the spark plugs, I put the wrong wire on the wrong plug. And it was going chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Bang! Bang! We went from Illinois to Arizona and back with that engine out of the proper firing order. Now, if you've ever had an engine out of the proper firing order, it just causes gas to detonate where it's not supposed to. You can bend a valve. You can cause some pretty serious damage to that engine. And it will backfire. All because you got the right car, but you got it out of the firing order. It's not operating after due order. And I think sometimes we get in trouble, not because the devil's persecuting us, but because we're not following God after the due order. We've got the, we've got the order mixed up. It's not like it's supposed to be. It's not firing in the right order. And so because of that, our walk with God is filled with explosions. <laughs> it's like watching somebody trying to learn how to to drive a stick shift that's never operated a clutch. 
Anybody ever have that happen? Boom, boom, whiplash three or four times. Not according to the due order. God's word explains the due order for serving God. In verse 14, the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves in David's day. That was the due order. If you were going to carry the word of God, you had to sanctify. You had to let the, the hand of God be upon you. And you had to be willing to live a separate and a holy lifestyle. It wasn't like people said, who do you think you are? They just said, we want to please God. This is more important to us than anything in the world. We're going to carry the word of God. And those priests that carried that ark sanctified themselves. They got it out of due order three months prior, and they put the, the ark of God on a cart pulled by oxen. And God said, you know what? Don't you remember Cain? You can't serve me and worship me the way you want to. You have to serve me and worship me the way my word says to. And you should have learned a lesson from Cain. Cain said, oh, I'm not into blood sacrifice. I'll give God some veggies. And God says, I'm not accepting that. I told you what I want. I want a blood sacrifice. And so when we come living for God in the New Testament, the only thing different about us cannot be that we attend church than before we started living for God. I'm going to give the altar call now. But not only the ones who carried the word were commanded to be sanctified. And I notice this. Watch. In verse 16, And David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, percussionists, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. And David spoke to the musicians, to the singers, the musicians. He said, if you're going to sing and you're going to play instruments for me, I want you, or for the Lord, I want you to sanctify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. They were commanded. So it wasn't just a preacher. It was those who were going to worship with song were commanded to sanctify themselves. Those who were called to play instruments of music were commanded to sanctify themselves. And that's not all. The Bible also says that the doorkeepers were ordered to sanctify themselves. So if you were going to be an usher, usher. If you were going to be an usher, you were commanded to sanctify yourself. So it, 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 it was a command given to the singers, the musicians. It lists individual instruments. It talks about the drums. It talks about the, the musical wind instruments. It talks about the stringed instruments. It talks about the ushers. It talks about those who were going to carry the word of God, which would be the preacher. And he said, this is what you're going to have to do. If you're going to serve God, you're going to have to serve God in, after the due order. And if you will, 
you're going to be blessed far above any sacrifice you ever made. God has a due order. Just, just ask Cain. We're living in a culture of chaos. It's trying to bleed into the church. We've got to take our stand and say, we march to the beat of a different drummer. Our nation is in complete disorder. I'm frustrated every time I listen or see the news. It frustrates me. I have to admit to you, I've been mumbling under my breath bad things about certain politicians. I'm concerned because in our chaotic culture, men want to be women. And women want to be men. Men are encouraged to walk around in an effeminate manner. And women are encouraged to be as masculine as possible. Children are confused. And our leaders are making their confusion even worse. That's why I'm so glad we have a Christian school. Because when I was in kindergarten, they were trying to teach me my alphabet. And when I got into first grade, they were trying to teach me the elementary fundamentals. But now they're trying to teach our kids that some people are not biologically who they are biologically is not who they are. And that last year this was Johnny, but now it's Joanne. And if you make a mistake, we're going to send you to the principal's office. I'm not saying these things to get your applause. And I frankly don't care if you don't like it. I'm standing here, a frustrated preacher saying, the church of Jesus Christ has got to rise up and stand up and stand out and not be ashamed of who we are. Let our women be women. Let our men be men. And I'm sorry, but there's a war against boys going on right now. Our nation is so confused. And so here's what, I, here's what I want to tell you. There's a war against God's due order. And that's what I was trying to bring to you tonight, is that God has a due order of things. And every time people get out of that due order, chaos and confusion reigns, and people are sad, they're anxious, they're confused. They don't know who they are. They're antagonistic because they're out of God's due order.
God has a distinct due order for his people. Men of God who are not ashamed to sanctify themselves. Women of God who are not ashamed to sanctify themselves. In a time in which confusion is reigning, the people of God have got to step up to the plate. And just before the rapture, we've got to be salt and light. So when people look at us by our very appearance, they say, those people are different than what I'm seeing here, over here. These people are remarkably different. Our witness needs to be both audio and it needs to be by appearance as well. You know, when you bring a, a baby into a home, sometimes uh, a small child will go back and start messing their pants. Why is that happening? Because the, the older child says, hey, the baby can get away with it. Why can't I? The baby's getting all the attention, so I want some attention. Well, they get attention, but it's not the attention they want. Right? As God adds people to the church, it is more and more important that those who know God set an example, lift a high standard, not because we're saying, I'm holier than thou, God forbid, but that people would see in a very chaotic world, this is what it means. This is what it looks like to be an apostolic. This is what it's like to be an apostolic Christian in this day. We are not like them. We refuse to allow the devil to tell us what we're going to look like and the words we're going to say, the conversation we use, and the lifestyle that we live. We are refreshingly and decidedly different. We carry the ark. We are the people in the last days that are carrying the word of God. What an honor. Amen. What an honor. What an honor. It's disgusting and disgraceful when we who are called to live for God care more about any little sacrifice that we might be called on to make than we do about being blessed to be the carriers of God's word in this day. Peter the aged in his first epistle said as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance but as he which hath called you is holy so be you holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy obey God because you get to not because you have to if you're doing something for God and you happen to see somebody else that's not and you get really mad about it, you know why you're getting mad? You're only doing it because you feel like you have to. You're not doing it because you love God. What you do because you love God, it doesn't matter if everybody else in the world is doing something that you don't do because you love God. You don't get angry and mad at everybody and resentful and say, well, I can't believe it. Not, they're doing that and they're getting away with it. 
You know what that shows? That shows that whatever you are doing for God, you're not doing it for the right reason. I'm going to live for God because he saved me. He delivered me. I have a responsibility to a very dark and dying world. Some of them will never get to hear what I have to say. So I'm going to try to make myself presentable as something that God would be able to say, that's one of mine. Obey God because you're his children. Don't slip back into your old ways, doing evil because back then you knew no better. But be holy now in everything you do, just as the Lord is holy, who invited you to be his child. He himself has said, you must be holy, for I am holy. I'm coming pretty close to the end now. You guys are doing very well. No one's got mad or anything. I really haven't said anything you should get mad about. It's in the book of 2 Kings, one of the most unique stories. I've been reading from eccentric and unusual places in the Bible. And I've, I found another one. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 17 and verse 24. Let's read it. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and from Cutha and from Ava and from Hamath and Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel and they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. Stop right there for a minute. Because the people of God had continued to ignore the preaching it says, God doesn't really care. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, it's just a little thing. Uh-huh. Just a horseshoe can cause the shoe to come off the horse and cause the horse to break a leg, and you know the story. Yes? And God had removed his people out of the country because of their sin. He finally said, your space for repentance is over. And so the enemy came and, and the enemy said, hmm, we can't just allow these vineyards to, to go uncared for and, and the fields to go unplowed and, and unweeded. And so uh, we'll send our own people back into the country of the former people of God. So they come marching in. And they take over the farms and they take over the vineyards. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. Verse 25, and so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Watch this. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. What? Are you kidding me? These people go inhabit the land that Israel once owned. And they're just doing their stuff and living their lifestyle. And lions come in and start killing them. Verse 26. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed, you know, those Israelites, and placed in the cities of Samaria, uh, the people that's come and taken over their, their cities, watch, know not the manner of the God 
of the land. Therefore he hath sent lions among them, and behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. Listen, sometimes we can know the doctrine and not know the manner. There's one thing, there's doctrinal truth, which is uh, uh, oneness of God, uh, the, the importance and necessity of water baptism in the name of Jesus, the, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and the evidence of speaking other tongues. But there's also something that we call holiness that really is not so much a doctrine as it is the way of God. It's the manner of God. It's the way God wants, the, it's the due order. And the Bible says they feared or respected not the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them. And somebody came to the king and uh, the, the pagan king and said, "Hey, the people you placed in the cities of Samaria, you know, the people that uh, the, the land of the Israelites, they, you know what? What?" They know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore, He has sent lions among them. Behold, they slay them because, because they know not the manner of the God of the land. In other words, you could say they're not living according or after the due order. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Come, thither one of the priests, uh, uh, carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from, from that land, and, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. Don't avoid holiness. Embrace it. It's the manner of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear or respect the Lord. Guess what? The lions never came back. There's something about the manner, the way, the lifestyle of a New Testament Christian. And we turn our back on sin and we say, okay, sin, you're not going to have dominion over me anymore. I'm living for God. I'm going to make some changes. I'm not afraid. You know, I'm not one of these people that says, the moment you ask me to do something I don't want to do, I'll go down to the church of the Frigidaire. I'll go over to the church of anything goes. They call it the church of the open door. Anybody can come in at once. You don't have to do anything. Just put some money in the offering. That's not here. We have the real thing. You're going to see sick people healed here. You're going to see blinded eyes opened here. You have been called to be God's very special people who carry His Word. It's the highest honor ever conferred upon a mortal. Would you rise with me, please? I think the Lord might be setting the table for somebody right now. I think the Lord might be talking to somebody. You want to be used of God? Okay. After the due order. 
Don't worry about how much is this going to cost me. Be just thankful that hallowed be thy name. And I know we make mistakes. Please don't let the devil beat you up. But it means I'm turning my back on willful sin. And I'm going to make a, a great effort to be what God wants me to be. And that pleases the Lord when we're making the effort. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for each precious saint of God who is listening tonight and every guest and, and every longtime member and, and those who are with us via Facebook or YouTube, Lord, and people are worshiping you and listening to the word of God. I pray, let your word find root in our hearts. Let your word, O oh God, O oh, hallowed be thy name. I pray that we as a people would lift up the name of Jesus and let our lives show that we love you, Lord, that we respect you very much, sir, and we apologize for our shortcomings because we all have them. But Lord, we want to make the greatest effort we've ever made to continue in your word, to grow in the name of Jesus to be the light you've called us to be and the salt you've called us to be. And I thank you for it. And all during this message, I have felt the presence of God in this house. God is calling somebody in this building to live for him. He's calling somebody said, now I know you made a mistake, but neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. God is calling you to start right now saying, Lord, I'm going to live for you and serve you with all of my heart. I'm not going to let the devil beat me up with condemnation. I just make up my mind. God, this is the day I'm living for you. Hallowed be thy name. I've been called to carry the word. And so... I'm trying to sanctify myself, not with my own works, but through the precious blood of Jesus Christ, through the merciful graciousness of our Lord. I am so thankful. I shouldn't be here. I should not be allowed in the house of God, but God's been merciful to me, and I want to show that I hallow his name. I revere him so much. I want to serve him so much. I just don't want anything in my life that would hinder me from being the soul winner that God's called me to be. I don't want anything hindering me from being the, the missionary that God's called me to be. I want to be totally dedicated to him. Is there anybody else that feels that way tonight? Would you like to come forward if you feel that way? I just want to be used of God. I want to do the will of God. I want to serve the Lord. So I'm going forward tonight and I'm saying, God, I'm not going forward because I'm perfect, but I'm going because I want to do your will. I really want and desire to serve you. And I thank you with all of my heart. I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given me to live for you. So here I am. Here I am, God. Now the Holy Ghost is about to fall in this place. The Spirit of God's here in a mighty way. If you want God to touch you, come on down. Don't be afraid. And I'm going to ask you before we do anything else, could, could I just pray for you and, and pray with me? Father, you know we're weak. We, you know we're human. You know we have 
a tough time sometimes trying to make ourselves do what we are supposed to do. But tonight we yield ourselves to you and we ask you, Lord, that your spirit would just dwell in us, that your spirit would live in us, Lord, and that you would help us to sanctify ourselves for we have been called to carry the word of God. Oh, Lord, I want my life to be a light to the people I work with. I, I want my life to be a light to my family. I want my life to be what you want it to be, and I ask you to help me. In Jesus' name, please help me to do that. And now, if you really feel that way and with all sincerity, stretch your hands toward the Lord and let the Holy Ghost come down upon you now. And all the preachers and elders and everyone, help me out now. This is not your night off. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, on this Wednesday night, let the Holy Ghost fall in this place and let people be delivered and saved. And those who have weaknesses, Lord, let those weaknesses be changed and, and strengthened and helped. And, and God, here we are tonight, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, somebody wants the Holy Ghost right now, and, and I have a friend that's lost. Help me to live for you so that they can see you in me. God, I want to be used of God. I want to do your will, God. I want to serve you. Here I am. Now the Holy Ghost is ready to be poured out. Please join me just for a moment. Everybody that's got the Holy Ghost, lift your hand and ask with me, God, would you please pour out your spirit? This may be somebody's last service. So God, please pour out your spirit on every person that's in this building right now and those who are watching online. In the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit right now, Father, and give us the strength to do what you've called us to do. Give us the anointing to do what you've called us to do. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.